Welcome to Slaking Thirst, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. So as most of you are probably aware, the Blessed Mother appeared to three Portuguese children between May 13th and October 13th, 1917, and she delivered to these three kids what have been known as the secrets of Fatima, these three messages, these three, um, yeah, secrets. Of course, we're talking about Our Lady of Fatima, right? So the first vision, the first secret was a vision of hell. The second was a prophecy concerning this, a second great world war and that Russia would spread her errors throughout the world. And the third was that the Holy Father would have much to suffer and would be assassinated. Okay, I'm going to leave aside the first and the third for today. I want to focus on the second, the second prophecy regarding Russia and her heirs. And most people assume that she was speaking about communism. She was and she wasn't, right? She was and she wasn't. Because for Karl Marx, who's right, the author of communist theory, Karl Marx, class struggle, right, from your philosophy 101, political theory 101 class, class struggle was considered the defining factor of history, right? The struggle between the haves and the have-nots, the proletariat, the bourgeoisie, that was the defining feature. But as you dig deeper into communist theory, what you see both from Marx and for Engels, that the first and fundamental class struggle was found not in the factory, but in monogamous marriage and in the sexual difference itself. Quote, the first division of labor, this is from Karl Marx, who co-wrote this with Engels, the first division of labor is that between man and woman for the propagation of children. They wrote this, Marxist theory demands the abolition of the monogamous family as the economic unit of society. Like the error that Mary was speaking about wasn't simply a political philosophy. The error she was referencing was the belief that the difference between man and woman, which is an embodied difference, and the family that comes about as a result of that embodied difference, that has to be eliminated. Was her prophecy spot on or what? (laughs) You look at our world today. The enemy, friends, right, the enemy wants to attack and he wants to undermine the sexual difference because he wants to destroy families. That's the bottom line. I ask the question, why does he want to destroy families? Because the family is, by God's design, not just the first fundamental cell of society. The family is the living icon of the Trinity, The family is the living icon of the Trinity, the Trinity who is life-giving love, a communion of life-giving love, right? The family is a sign, the sign that God has given us that unveils, that articulates who God is in his deepest essence. I am life-giving love. When the two become one flesh, right, they become so much one that nine months later you have to give it a name. And they're three in one, just like our God is three in one. Right? And the family, marriage, the reciprocity between husband and wife is also an image planted by God into creation from the beginning to be a sign of how God wants to relate to us. Right? This is what I was preaching about two days ago when we had that reflection from Ephesians 5 where Paul says, wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives. And he quotes Genesis. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And then Paul adds this. 
This is a great mystery, but I speak in reference to Christ and the church. Like what Paul calls the great mystery is this whole idea that the male-female sexual difference and the call of the two to become one flesh from the beginning and the family that they create is the lens. It's the lens by which we are meant to read and understand what it means to be human. It's the lens by which we are meant to read and understand who God is, salvation history, scripture, all of it. It's a love story. That's what it is, right? And so the enemy is doing everything that he can in his power to destroy or to obscure that lens. And this is precisely why Ephesians 6, which we have today as the first reading, this is why Ephesians 6 comes right after Ephesians 5. Right? Ephesians 5, St. Paul unveils the great mystery. In Ephesians 6, he says, put on the armor of God. Our battle, he says, is not with flesh and blood, with principalities and powers, a.k.a. ranks of fallen angels, demons. Right? He tells them about the great mystery. He says, this is, this is it. I'm spelling it out. This is it. And then after that, Ephesians 6, he says, okay, now prepare for battle. Prepare for attack. Prepare for a fight because it's coming. And it's coming right there. Right there in this nexus of masculinity, femininity, complementarity, where the two become one flesh. And when we look at our world, we look at what's happening in the culture, especially regarding human sexuality, who can deny that it's all under attack? What's the first thing that Paul says concerning the armor of God? He says, first and foremost, the first piece of armor you put on, he says, gird your loins in the truth. Gird your loins in the truth. Now, we all know what our loins are, right? Good. He says, gird them in the truth. Surround them, encircle them in the truth. It's pretty astonishing. I mean, since 1950, especially sexual revolution and the advent of all sorts of technologies, our culture has been attempting to gird everyone's loins, not in the truth, but in lies. In particular, the lie promised by contraception, all forms of birth control. The enemy wants right in there, right there. Why? Because marriage, sex, and babies were designed by God, created by God, to go together and in that order. It's this tight knot nexus that God has created that reveals who he is, his life-giving plan of love. And the thing is, if you insert contraception into that, what you end up getting is you end up obliterating the whole thing. It splits the atom. We all know what happens when you split atoms. Destruction, devastation, right? You insert contraception into the tight knot nexus of marriage, sex, and babies, you end up redefining all three. Marriage becomes a government stamp of approval on whatever your preferred form of intimacy is. It has nothing to do with the propagation of children. Sex becomes mutual pleasure exchange. Again, nothing to do with procreation. And babies either become a social accessory, if desired by someone, or a burden to be done away with, a clump of cells. And now, in a crazy way, in our own world, in our own culture, we have this transgender phenomenon that's sweeping 
through young generations that's saying that the body has nothing to do with revealing the person. That you're assigned a gender at birth. That we should wait to find out what a person's gender is. The body is just a mere shell of matter that can be manipulated and changed at a whim to match what I interiorly, subjectively feel. Friends, that's not true. I know you know this, but it's just not true. To try and build a civilization, try and build a culture on, the, uh, on such a fundamental lie is to introduce so much pain, destruction, and devastation into people's lives. That's why St. John Paul II called our culture a culture of death. Death is the splitting apart of body and soul. That's what we see in our world, this split of body and soul, that who I really am is this interior soul. It has nothing to do with my body. And then when I die, my soul can finally be freed of my body. That ain't Christianity. That's Gnosticism. That's Manichaeism. That's certainly not Catholicism. Right? In our faith, the body is the hinge of salvation. Everything is order towards the flesh. St. Paul says, I preach the redemption of the body, right? Christ was raised bodily at the center of the mass. It's behold the Lamb of God, look at his flesh, the body of Christ. He came to redeem our bodies, that the gospel wants to touch and insinuate itself into our bodies. All of this matters, all of this matters. You can tell it all matters because the enemy is going after all of it. There's a full-out assault on the body, on the sexual difference, on marriage, family, masculinity, femininity. Lord, have mercy. Oh, my goodness. Friends, only the truth can set us free, right? Only the truth. Only the truth. Ephesians 4, where we hear St. Paul talking about the revolutionary power of the gospel. Ephesians 5, where he unveils the great mystery. Ephesians 6, Put on the armor of God, all of that. That's the truth. That's the truth we need. That's the truth our world needs. That's the truth we need to absorb on a deeper level today, that we might be agents of transformation in the world, bearing the truth to people that we meet.